You know, this week has not been a surprise of what we've been going through, you know, as an island, as a community, specifically in Puna. A few of us have got together this week and was helping the efforts of what was going down in Puna, but with the Red Cross and the local tent area right there on the major highway, we had to evacuate my auntie this past week. And, and through the process, you know, there's, there's one thing that's consistent in our lives, and it's suffering. Can I get a witness out there? We suffer. That's part of life. And, and I don't want to dumb down suffering, but we're reading through the book of Acts. And if you're new with us, we are a, a, a expository preaching church, meaning that we don't normally do topical messages. We believe one of the ways we honor Jesus is with the word of God, specifically through books of the Bible, verse by verse. And here's one of the main reasons why we do books of the Bible, verse by verse, because we got to preach what comes up next. We cannot make up topics when we go verse by verse through books of the Bible. And a lot of topical messages in our city, as I've been around to many churches, talks about a high view of man and a low view of God. And so we said one of the ways we honor Christ is really being an expository preaching church, verse by verse. So this August, we're going to make three years of reading diligently through the book of Acts, verse by verse. Context is important. Sometimes when we are in topical messages, right, it's easy to get off biblical base. And so like today, today there's cultural relevancy going on today. We, there's current events that are going on in our community today. Today is mothers. Today is. Ah, oh, Micah, you know. Yeah, today's Mother's Day. That's a current event. Amen. Praise the Lord. But also in our current event, we have a volcano erupting down the road from us. Does that make sense? And it would be easy for us to do a topical message on one or the other. But I feel that as we honor God, we need to be, hold a high standard of God's word and not current events. Can I get a witness, all right? Current events is one thing, but God's word is primary to our walk in Christ. And I say all this because for the last few weeks, it's been the same old message. What is the message? Suffering. We come to chapter 24 of the book of Acts, and Paul is just suffering. Like in my mind, I'm like, who wants to be a Christian? If this, is this the Christian life? To suffer, to suffer? And the way I would say this is we got to look to Jesus. You guys did know Jesus didn't live a pretty life, right? All one of you in this room. Amen. Praise the Lord, right? That's why we have church on Sunday, so we can recalibrate about the gospel. We believe that Jesus suffered dearly. And he said, he said, hey, your life's not going to be easy on this earth. But because you have me, I'm going to remind you that your suffering is for your good and God's glory. No, no, no. Can I get some witness in there? How many of you feel like this has been a season of suffering for you? Can I get a witness, right? Yeah, many of us. In fact, everyone should raise your hand. Why? Because you're human. You're human with problems, human with issues, and I'm talking about myself. I'm, I have problems. I have issues. Let me make it more personal. I am the issue. Can I get a witness, right? We are the issue together. And then as we go through this theme of suffering, I want you to see something that's very consistent in the Bible. Joy. See, true joy cannot truly be experienced apart from true suffering. You want to experience true joy? Suffer. 
It's easy to experience joy when everything's dandy, when the bills are paid, when my relationship with my spot is, is pono, when my relationship with the world is pono, and the community is pono. But try have joy when hell comes over you. Can I get a witness, right? Half I have joy. Half I have joy. But it is consistent. And we learned that Paul is enduring many suffering. Would you stand with me in the reading of God's word? In God's word, it's specifically in the book of Acts. Paul is in prison. And Paul has an opportunity to share his case of why he's in prison. And I want you to hear clearly what the gospel talks about Paul's suffering. The word of the Lord says this. And after five days, the high priest and a spokesman, one treacherous, they laid before the governor their case against Paul. And when he had summoned treacherous, he began to accuse Paul by saying, since through you we enjoy much peace, governor, and since in by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made for this nation. In every way and, every, and everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. For we have found this man Paul to be a plague. One who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is, ringlead, is the ringleader of a sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, we will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the charge affirmating that all these things were what? So, and when the governor had nodded to speak to him, Paul replied. Here you go. Here, here's Paul's turn. Hold my cow cow. Here you go. Paul says this, knowing that for many years you have been a judge for this nation, Felix, I cheerfully make my defense to you. You can verify that it is not more than 12 days since I came up to worship in Jerusalem. And they did not find me dis. This uh, disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple, in the synagogues, or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call the sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a what? Help me out, saints. Hope in God which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings to them. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult, but Some Jews from Asia Minor, they ought to be here before you and to make an accusation should they have anything against me, or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before you, the council. Other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them. Hear these words. Here's where we wrap up Mother's Day. It is with respect to the what? Resurrection of the dead that I am on trial 
before you this day. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. God's Ohana says, Amen. You may be seated. Are you on trial today? You may say, well, I'm not in the courthouse, Kahu. I'm right here in church with the new AC. Can I get a witness, right? Feeling good. Feeling comfortable. You know? I mean, I'm not on trial. Let me ask you again. Spiritually, are you on trial? I mean, that's, that's something I want to think about every day. Am I on trial? Absolutely. We all in this room spiritually are on trial. And I want to make a statement that I say all the time. I haven't said it in a while. But everything that is physical, listen to me, everything that is physical is the result of things spiritual. What you are experiencing today in the physicality is in direct connection and correlation with the spiritual realm. And therefore, we see a text that is suffering. Man, I don't like suffering. Golly, God. After reading some of these false prophets' books of your best life now and all this, they don't talk about suffering. But we see clearly that the life we choose to walk in Christ endures suffering. And we said this statement in the last two weeks. We said that God is in control. Help me out. Even when our life is out of control. Like when things aren't going our way. Or maybe they are, right? God is completely in control. I mean, these last two weeks uh, have been hard for the Thomas Eliohana. You know, two weeks ago, we went to my cousin's funeral in Kapalama, uh, Kamehameha. Beautiful celebration of life, but he was only 46 years old. Young, and he died. He had a healthy life. He, he had a great career, a beautiful family. The, the Keikis haven't even graduated high school yet, and we lost our cousin by death. We don't even know if he truly was a believer in Jesus. And we're not going to make assumptions of that as well. Secondly, this week we had to evacuate my auntie from, uh, from uh, Leilani Estates area because she had to be, because the love was coming that way. We suffered, we suffered. Uh, uh, and last Sunday, let me just put the icing on the cake. Last Sunday, after a beautiful service here in this room, we get home after lunch. And we find our dog strangled to death in the Hawaiian homestead. Now, you may have different opinions about dogs and animals and all that. But for us, he brought joy to my boys. He was part of the Ohana. He was our Elio. I mean, when, he, when somebody came to the door, we knew they were at the door. You know, he barked. He protected the house. His name was Mike Cutty because he was a sweet boy. And I come home and his Rope is literally intentionally strapped around his neck, and he's choked to death. Now, I could have been like everyone in this room and post that on Facebook and complain about who killed my dog and act like on Kanaka and talk about who I'm going to lick and all this stuff and all that. But the reality is everything that's physical is the result of things spiritual. And so I have to identify in my own heart, God, what are you teaching me through this suffering? What are you teaching me through this time of chaos and this time of... Um, uncertain answers. And what he's teaching us is how to follow him no matter the cost. Listen to me. Easy to be a kahu when I got a big church and everybody coming. Easy to be a kahu when money flowing in and we're advancing the gospel through the community and all this stuff. Easy to be a kahu. And let's say it's easy to be a person in general when things are going smooth. 
Let's see the faithfulness and the loyalty of that individual where all hell breaks loose. Let's see who's right there in front of you when the church is no longer growing anymore. When leaders are not stepping up anymore. When people talk about Jesus, but they deny the fellowship of the saints. And they'll make every excuse of why God saved you and rescued you. And, but when you are with fellowship, they're no longer there anymore. Try to follow Christ when it's not popular. I tell our football boys this all the time. Do the right thing. The right thing may not be the fun thing, but it's the right thing. It's not, it's not fun to stand for truth. It's not fun to stand for But it is the right thing to do. Mothers, it's the right thing to do. To teach your child truth. To teach your child what it looks like to live in a godly lifestyle. To teach your child what it means to follow Christ in suffering. Because if you, all you teach them is the goo-goo-ga-ga of Christianity, they will walk away from the church not wanting it anymore. And so when, when we think about suffering, this is the two things we think in Paul's life. When we follow Christ, here's number one. Following Christ will always have opposition. Say that with me. One, two, three. Following Christ will always have opposition. This is consistent in all scripture. And I want you to see how the Jews demonstrated this in their text. Well, look at what they did. All right, here, here, here's a biblical truth. Listen to this. Opposing teams will always put in their best team members. Listen to me. As I coach Hilo High School, it's going to be my fourth, fifth season. We didn't win the state championship because we put in our worst players. Can I get a witness? Right? We put in our best player. We is even crazy enough to start our quarterback at free safety. Now, that is no-no in the book of football, right? But we're going to play our best players. And as we look at the text today, we see that these Jewish brothers put in their best player. His name is Tertullus. Say, how's it, Tertullus? Yeah, you can't even pronounce that word. You thought us Hawaiian words was hard, huh? That bugger is on tongue twister right there. But that's the truth. This is so true. Listen, all throughout Scripture, we see the opposing team giving their best player. You may say, how? Well, look at the book of Exodus. Exodus, Egypt had who? Pharaoh. In the book of 1 Samuel 17, the Philistines had Goliath. Goliath was the greatest leader of the Philistine. He was in opposition to God's plan. In the book of Daniel, we had Nebuchadnezzar for Babylon. Look, Paul himself, the brother we're reading about today, was one of the best team members of opposition. He persecuted Christians. He killed Christians. He beat Christians. And there's one thing that is common in all these brothers. You ready, brotherhoods? They were unsuccessful. You guys should say amen. Pharaoh, unsuccessful. Goliath, yeah, we know that how that's ended, right? Unsuccessful. Nebuchadnezzar, unsuccessful. Why? Listen to what Job says about God's plan. He says, I know that you can do all things, God, and that no purpose of yours can be throttled. The word throttled in the Hebrew language means to cut off. It means that no, no, no matter what happens, God's plan will exist forever. What is his plan? That sinners will come to redemption in him. That's his plan. The word throttled, cut off in Hebrew, is also a picture of a dull knife, a dull scissors. You know, the other week I was trying to cut my pepper and all that, but that bugger was dull. Wasn't doing nothing but benting a little, you know, and I, that's, that's what happens in our life. 
Like people will attack us. The enemy will attack us, but their plans are like a dull knife. It's tossed. It cannot consume God's plan. Why? Because what God promises, he does. And what God does, the world sees. And what the world sees is God in his glory. I mean, that's what it is. Like when we do Mother's Day, we're not saying, oh, woohoo, mothers, you're good. No, God's good. That's our view of God in this church. God's good. And my prayer is that mothers, you're good because, help me out, theologically, hallelujah. That's the reality. That's our view of God. But we have churches today preaching about, oh, you ain't good, brother. Bro, you one fry short of a Happy Meal Hawaiian. Come on, what's up? Like, like, like no, for real. That's the reality. Like, like we, we in and of ourselves are taunted. We're throttled. We're dull. And God's plan is sharp. Wow, that's powerful. Like, that's all right there. You know, if you don't know. That is good. God's plan is sharp. Let me show you what Tertullus says about Paul. This is his dull reaction to Paul, to, the, to Felix. He says this, that Paul was a plague. Bro, growing up in Hilo, you call me on plague. That's scrap words, Hawaiian. No, for real, yeah? On plague, you can call him on plague. And he said, this brother is infecting people with his doctrines. Praise Jesus. If anything we can do in this city is infect people with Jesus. I know it don't sound proper, but it is. Promise you that. May we infect people with the love of Christ that demands recognition of our Savior. Look, he also called Paul an agitator, an agitator, meaning he stirred up riots. He called Paul a ringleader, that he was a leader to a Nazareth gang. What a pure, poor excuse for a lawyer. If you know anything about history and Jewish culture, Nazarenes was the field land. It was the trash dump area. It was the landfill. They even said it in the Gospels. Nothing good can come out of Nazareth. Where did Jesus come from? Something good can come out of Nazareth. And so he discredits Paul, but also credits Paul. Does that make sense? He discredits Paul, and he also credits Paul. Lastly, he calls Paul a disruptor, meaning he dishonored them in the temple. Now, we know all of these are accusations. These are all lies, but I want you to read a letter. I want to share a letter with you that we found. I want to make this more contextual. This past week, we had one brother. He hangs down at Lincoln Park all the time with his signs and all that. And then he posted his letter right on our wall. And as soon as he saw me walk out, as soon as he saw this Kanaka walk out of the door, right? Uh, he went take off. So Ulu grabbed the note, and on the note says, leave this satanic church. Now, listen, stop. Everybody getting angry over here. Stop. <laughs> Be pulling with Jesus right now, Okay. I know many of you who are members of the church has, has worked hard to the place you are right now in Christ. But listen to me, it's not about you. It's not about your feelings. It's about reality in this city that we're reaching for Jesus. He said, this is a satanic church. There is no Christian or there is no true Christian church in this city. Nobody want to be a part of my agenda, blah, 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 blah. Then if there is no Christian and, and no Christian church, then does that make you no Christian? With no Christian church. Logic is really few here in Hawaii. Can I get a witness, right? 
And that's the reality. And then he goes down, he gives all these notes and all of this stuff. Leave this church. It's satanic. It's all this stuff. Let me share you one thing, okay? If it's about Jesus Christ, this is the perfect church. If down the road is about Jesus Christ, whether it's a different preaching style for me or not, it's, it's a glorified church. Does that make sense? But if my life is about preference theology, all right, like only one topic of the scriptures, you're missing out. We cannot just take one thing from the scripture and then spit out all the scriptures as a whole. That is not the totality of scripture. You have to preach everything. And that's why we are an expository church. Because we have to preach the next verse. We cannot decide, oh God, what verse I'm going to preach this week. You know, that's lazy. All right? We got to, like, every preacher should sweat when they pile preach. Why? Because they work hard to diligently preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, as, as I sweat lifting weights and, and not running but walking fast now, you know, and all that, like, like that, that is how this Hawaiian should look preaching. Anybody giving the word of God should be sweating their okole off. Why? Because the word of God is sharp. It's not dull. Like every message should be about hell and heaven every Sunday. Why? Because you don't know about heaven if you don't know about hell. There is no in between. There is. Not, everybody has to know that there is an eternity after this life. And as we follow Christ, we will always encounter opposition. Look at what 2 Peter 2 says about these false prophets who put posts on church doors. You ready? But false prophets also rose among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you, I will secretly bring in destructive heresies. They will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who, brought, who bought them. Bringing upon themselves, help me out. Swift destruction. Don't trip. God got to figure it out. Because here again, going back to Facebook. I couldn't post that on the Facebook. But listen to me. I don't need Facebook to defend God. He's God. I don't need to create a support group to go down to the park and lick the brada. God can do that way better than me. In fact, I would just make God's name worse. If I did that, are you, are you understanding where I'm coming from? Now, the gospel of Jesus Christ teaches us that when we follow him, there will be opposition. But when there is opposition, there is an opportunity to grow deeper in Jesus. I, I, if you did not know, you came to a Christian church today, and we talk about Jesus a lot. Why? Because he is our Lord. He is our, he's our Savior. He is he is good. And this, I want you to see what R.C. Ryle, a theologian, says about warning the church about these false teachers. He says, does anyone ask me what is the best safeguard against false doctrine? I would answer them in one word. Say it with me. The Bible. The Bible regularly read, regularly prayed over, regularly studied. We must go back to the old prescription of our master. Search the what? Scriptures, John says that way. If we want a weapon to wield against the devices of Satan, there is nothing like the sword of the spirit, the word of God. But to wield it successfully, you guys ready? To be successful with the scriptures, we must, help me out, read it habitually, diligently, intelligently, and prayerfully. This is a point on which I fear many have failed. In any age of hurry and bustle, Few read their Bibles as much as they should. 
More books perhaps are read than ever, but less of the one book which makes man wise until salvation. Roman theology could never have made such havoc in the church in the last 50 years if there had not been a most superficial knowledge of the scriptures throughout the land. A Bible reading laity, help me out, is the strength of a church. This generation is the most Bible illiterate generation of all time. Why? Because of the American dream. Many of you may like the American dream, the pursuit of happiness, but if you're a believer in Jesus, it's completely the opposite. The American dream says you work your way up for a better life. The gospel teaches the opposite. You can't work at all. You can't. You need Jesus. You need Christ. You all, well, but I've seen this happen. But you're looking at physical things. The American life allows us to say whatever, whenever, and however we want to say things. It's our amendment right. So he made us illiterate to the scriptures. Then we have a lot of people that sojourning in the gospel by themselves. They talk about intimacy with Christ. They talk about this in Christ. But their life looks nothing like it. Listen to me. The word that we read should be the word that changes us. The word that we obtain, the word that we hold, should be the word that changes us. Look, look at two healthy things that happens when we have opposition in our life. Look at this. Number one, an opportunity to have gospel conversations. Like if that uncle would have just stayed there, I would have loved to have a gospel conversation with him. But Second Peter said, they're not going to stay there. That's what Second Peter said. Why? He was by himself. He didn't even never have his entourage. Now, I would have loved to have a gospel conversation about Jesus, about Christ, about his activism, and how we should be on mission with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two, we see an opportunity to identify genuine Christianity. Listen to me. You can talk all the good theology that you want, but unless we see that by fruit, there is no genuine Christianity. You can say you love Jesus. You can say you do all this. But unless we see good fruit, what does good fruit look like? Look at an orange tree, Hawaiian. Look at a mango tree. Good fruit. What does that mean? It's producing well. It's connected to the vine. It's nourished. It's getting enough sun. It's getting enough water. It's getting enough daylight. Why? Because that's what the gospel is. Is your life filled with the gospel? Are you getting enough sun? Are you getting enough water? Are you getting enough nutrients? Or are you just coming on a Sunday or whenever you feel like coming and that's it? That's the gospel. Mothers, that's the greatest message you can hear. Is that you are being nurtured by God. And guess what you get to do? Nurture your cakey. What a beautiful message. Hey, in opposition. Opposition, kind of core. I will talk about him again because he don't understand nothing right now, okay? But that bugger, we said trying to potty train him, right? And he's figured out a way how to get out of trouble. So yesterday, he slapped his brother in the head. I said, boy, that's what, time out now, get to that wall, now. And I said, oh, daddy, I got doo-doo. I got doo-doo. So he put his hand in his pants. I got doo-doo. I said, what a conniving bugger. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Who you teach that Kolohe brother how for you something so good for something so bad? 
Sin. I never teach on that. I don't think so. No, I don't teach on that. It was his, his nature. All right? I know you guys can connect with me. That is opposition as a parent, right? Oh, this bugger. God, I'm about to stretch this Hawaiian. Help me out, Lord. I need you, God. I need this right now. That's what opposition is. Opposition allows us to have a gospel conversation. I wish you could watch my, mother, uh, my, my wife's mothers. She does so well in this area, how she shares the gospel with them. She says, this is not very godly, kind of call. This is bad. Yes, mommy. No, yes, mommy. Like, I love how she mothers our children. The way, and that's the way we should mother and father our children. No way to like the old Kanakas of old and uh, too late we'll crack them already. If we always respond with that kind of force, how do you think they'll turn out 20 years down the road? How do you think they will discipline their children? We wait and wait and wait and wait till they do something really wrong and then finally we get nuts. Let's stop it right away. How? By gospel conversation and identifying genuine Christianity. Many people have left this church in the last four years because we literally, we literally meet with people who are struggling with sin. We literally, like, we reach out to them, and if they don't want to reach back to us, we find we go do it on their terms. But we want to let people know that sin is not a candy cane situation. Sin separates us from Christ. And what God does, he does something good. Look, this is what he does. He takes this sin. He puts it on his son. Listen to me. And his son washes it for sinners. Like that's the glorious of the gospel. So listen to me. Following Christ will always have opposition. We see this in Paul's life. Number two, following Christ will require faithfulness. Can I get a witness there, right? It will require faithfulness. I want you to see how Paul reacts. To his opposition. Number one, we see his allegiance to the way. In verses 10 to 15, Paul makes it clear that his reason for being back in Jerusalem after 20, 30 years is to continue to worship with the same God as these Jews worship wholeheartedly. Paul is basically affirming that he, his accusers and him have something in common. They worship Yahweh. What they did not like is that Yahweh had a son. And his name is, help me out, Jesus. So we see that his faithfulness was his allegiance to the way, God the Father. Number two, his loyalty to the poor. Verses 16 and 17, you may ask, well, why do we do um, homeless acts, random acts of kindness and ministry? Well, verses 16 and 17 says it, why? One of the other reasons why Paul came back, he collected all the money from his mission trips and he gave it to the temple so that the poor may eat and have need of. Can I get a witness? If we just meet here in the AC on Sunday mornings and do nothing for Puna, shame on Ohana Church. God has called us to give alms and offerings to the community. How are we going to reach this city 1% in the next three years? If that's our goal, to reach 1% in the next three years, how are we going to reach it if we just stay in here? There must be a gospel that advances to the community. And this is what you got to remember. You got to remember where you came from. I would never be able to have the platform that I have in this community if I never remember who Zeke was 16 years, 17 years ago. I was a Kolohe Baba, stealer, liar, instigator, agitator. I was all of that. And then the gospel changes my views, but the gospel changes my heart. Number three. His conviction of the justice. 
his conviction in justice. While going through this hearing, Paul gives details that instigators was not actually these Jews that are on trial with him. It was actually the Jews from Asia Minor, specifically Ephesus, who started the mess, and they're nowhere to be found at this hearing. Have you ever been accused of something and the person that accused you is not there? Oh, only one. Praise the Lord right there. You guys never grew up in Hawaii. You guys probably didn't grow up on Sunset Hill up here, yeah? Because uh, in the homestead, we, I mean, we always had issues, all right? Like, have you ever been accused of something and your accuser was not there to confront you, right? This is what's happening. Eugene Peterson says it this way. He said, it was some Jews around Ephesus who started all this trouble with Paul. He says, and you'll notice they're not here today. They're cowards, too cowardly to accuse me in front of my face. You know what he's talking about? He's not talking about unchurched folk. He's talking about church folk. Let me tell you, in my 16 years of ministry, the worst people is the ones that sitting in the chairs today. Promise. I don't have an issue with the outside world. I get great relationship with the football team, with all this stuff. But the Kilikia is the people who are in the church. Can I get a witness? Right? I'm the issue. Right? I'll stand with you. I'm the issue. I said, that's why we come church. That's why we belong to a body. Why? Because we have issues. And we think that church is about making us look pretty on the outside. No, it's about exposing the inside. That's what the gospel does. It exposes us at the core. And it's at that core that God does what only he can do. Make you new. Make you new. Make you whole. That's what opposition is doing. Look, look, Paul is convinced that though he's experiencing opposition, he is also experiencing it for God's glory. Isaiah 1, 17 says it this about how Paul stood for his faith. He said, learn to do what? Good. It didn't say what? It didn't say bad. Always look at what the Bible is not saying as well as what it's saying, okay? It didn't say bad. It says, seek what? Justice. Correct oppression, right? Bring justice to the fatherless, right? This is why me and my wife adopt children, because they are fatherless. They are motherless, and the Bible says so. So if we're following Jesus, we better, we better listen and do what he says, right? Fatherless, and, and plead the widow's case. But listen to me. That's some harsh stuff. You may say, I get my own issues. I don't like battle with anybody's issues. But the Bible says, if you see one sister, or one sister getting beat up by her boyfriend at the beach at only Kakao, four miles, your job is to step in. No, for real. Or if you see one brother getting beat up by the sister, you know, your job is still to step in. All you Hawaiians laugh, you know what I'm talking about. Especially come from my family. Sisters can scrap, you know. But that's the reality. Your job is justice. Your job is not to be silent. If you see something go down wrong, it is your kuleana to make it right. And in that making it right, you may be like Paul and put in a deeper issue. But never forsake God. He says, you're in there for my reason. You're in there for my purpose. This is what faithfulness means to the gospel. And standing right in his own rights, Paul makes a profound argument to me, that is a game changer for us today and will be power. Acts 24, 21 repeats this. He says, other than this one thing, 
that I cried out while standing among them. Here's this one thing. It is with respect to the what? Resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. This is what Paul is saying. Because of Jesus, I'm here. Because of Jesus, I'm in harm's way. Because of Jesus, I am in opposition. If you're not in opposition, you may question, you may have to question because of Jesus. Because true Christianity will face trials and situations. True Christianity will have so much strength of opposition that you can't do it at all. So in that instant, you need someone to do it in and through you. Jesus. That's the gospel. Paul's allegiance to Jesus Christ treated him in such a way that it allowed that treatment to be his platform for preaching the gospel. So everyone in this room has a platform. What is that platform? Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because it's a ministry to the world. They'll go to every other Hawaiian deity, false deity, whatever the case is, but they'll miss out on the mystery of the ages. As Colossians says, and that mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory through opposition, through trials, through tribulations. Why does trials and tribulations make us dependent on God? And when we're dependent on God, we can't help but let him live through us. Because that is the gospel. Brother Jude said it this way. He said, beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the, help me out, faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. What does this mean for us, Ohana Church? We need to be ready. We need to understand our purpose. It's right above my head. Loving people, help me out, to the beauty of Christ. We need to clearly communicate the gospel. Not just Jesus loves you, everybody. But we need to tell them you're going to hell apart from Jesus. Your sin separates you from God. You need to hear that. You need to be convicted of that. You need to repent and ask for forgiveness. Why? Because that is the process of redemption. Us understanding our low view of ourselves and God's high view of himself. But it's only there that we can have a proper view of the gospel. That needs to be preached every Sunday, every Monday through Saturday, through our life, in word and deed. And here's, hear me out. We need to own our faith. Your mama's faith ain't good enough for you, children. I promise you that. But daddy's faith ain't good enough for you. You need to own your own faith. And the faith is found in Christ. I love what the New King James Version says about Isaiah 54. Look at, look at what happens when you understand opposition. I want you to see how dangerous you are now because you understand opposition. It says it this way in Isaiah 54. No, help me out. Weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue, listen to me, hold, this is heavy stuff. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. 
Isaiah's telling God, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me. Help me out. Says the Lord. What is this text saying? It ain't good for us, guys. Mothers, it ain't good for you today. Fathers, parents, children, it ends good for you today. Why? Says the Lord. Those who are opposition in you, against you, God got you. Are you with me? You stand with me as we give our benediction. God.